0: welcome to the hay kings podcast brought to you by Vermeer your expert in hay and forage equipment today on the podcast i'm joined by brian fiorini a farmer and custom harvester in california and he's going to tell us more about his operation. Welcome to the podcast.
1: Thank you. Thank you for having me.
0: First of all, tell us where you're at.
1: So I'm located in Turlock, California, which is almost the center of the state. Gotcha. Right in the heart of the Central Valley.
0: Gotcha. Tell us a little bit about the operation now, and then we'll dive into uh, where you started.
1: Yeah, so we're a custom harvesting outfit. We do everything from cut rake and bale and pick up on hay work to disking and uh, drilling jobs for wheat to do some almond, almond ground prep and development, a few things in between for what our customers need. Uh, we cover about a 70-mile radius with what we do. And
0: That's not just hundreds of acres, I'd imagine. That's-
1: oh, no, we cover, uh, we cover thousands of acres a year, um, multiple items.
0: Gotcha. Take us back to where you started.
1: So I got my start. I grew up on a dairy. Born and raised there and went to college at Cal Poly to major in dairy science and come home and take over the family operation. Uh, Loved what I did. Dairying was uh, very hard work growing up. Mm -hmm. Very rewarding work growing up. Um, I really enjoyed it. So when I got home from school and 20,
2: 2010
1: mm-hmm. uh, the dairy industry in California had just come out of probably three of the worst years of prices it had ever had guys were operating probably 40 to 50% under their break-even price um, through two of those years Ooh. and um, so when I came home it was pretty low and we started trying to climb back out of a hole that was you know pretty much everybody had dug uh, in the industry we did pretty well and you know helped help turn some things around and by the time 2014 hit we had some record high prices for about nine months that year mm-hmm. which really helped and after that happened we were in a decent position but prices leveled out for those next two years kind of right around break even and we were in a good position and we decided to. Uh, Decided we were going to sell the cows and get out of the dairy industry. Um, my dad, uh, my dad still owned the, the operation. He, uh, he sold his portion. I sold my portion and I had already at this time had already started doing some custom jobs on the side with our own equipment mm-hmm. while I had the dairy. And so I chose to uh, go into that full time and, and um, that's kind of, where it started at it was kind of custom work and farming was really my my second love of farming and something i really had always wanted to do and that was my opportunity to jump into it and go so
0: i already know the answer to this but do you miss the cows
1: uh yeah yes and no yes and no Uh um there there are some parts of it i really do miss because there was a lot of there was a lot of dairying that i really enjoyed and I really enjoyed growing up. It was a great industry to grow up in as a kid, Mm -hmm. but there's a lot of it. I absolutely do not miss at all. (laughs) And those, and those are probably the driving reasons why, you know, we don't get back into it and why a lot of guys are unfortunately still getting out of this industry as time goes by.
0: I find, so I, I likewise grew up on a dairy and milked cows clear into high school and I miss the routine Yes. I, I miss getting up and knowing exactly what I have to do today mm-hmm. and, and tomorrow and the next day, there's just not a lot of variation in the routine. You,
1: you 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 never run out of something to do on a dairy. Correct. There's always something to do. Correct. Growing up on a dairy, you, you learn work ethic
0: in a way that like few you, others it, do.
1: Yes, exactly. Because you know, the animals never stop and you are, you know, you are the, the patron to them Yep. And the schedule has to hit at the right moments. Yep. Every day of the year, no matter what the weather, no matter what the event. And yep. you, you learn to put something, you know, everybody always says family comes first in life, and they do, but on a dairy, that dairy comes first yep. a lot of the time. Yep. You know, you don't get to learn that in many other industries.
0: Yes, absolutely. That's hard to explain to somebody that's not been around that lifestyle, that very Barry. Oh yeah. boy, no, no. I I have to go home and milk the cows. Period end, end <laughs> yeah. of story. No, yeah, I, no be, I cannot stay home at five o'clock. Yes, yes. <laughs>
1: yeah. You have to be up at four thirty in the morning, whether you want to or not, or oh. you know whether you were out late or not out late. You know, you got to be up at four thirty in the morning. That's it.
0: Sure. Once you get yeah. out of it, it makes everything else seem almost too easy, right?
1: It, it it is. It's it's a hard adjustment at first, you know. I would say the first six months, I almost didn't know what to do with myself because, um, you know, you you've changed your your lifestyle and your mindset in mm-hmm. a way. Um, but yeah, I fully agree with you. Anything else you take on in life, work-wise, or you know, outside of work, is
0: you mean this pretty, this project has an end to it? Yeah. This, yeah. Exactly. This <laughs> if. If it doesn't happen today, it nobody dies. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs>
1: yeah, totally agree. Yeah, we can we can shut this piece of equipment off and go home, and we'll pick up on it tomorrow. You know? Yeah, yeah. Um, that never happened before. Yep. It was you go until until you finished whatever you were doing. Hmm. So,
0: now yeah. who works with you on your farm?
1: Uh, so a family room business. I worked with uh, my my parents owned it and ran it. Uh, I managed with them. Um, and then we had about four employees at the time. we were milking just shy of a thousand cows and farming about four hundred acres of ground.
0: Oh, okay. Oh, yeah. That's that's absolutely amazing that your ground yeah. is productive enough to feed a thousand cows.
1: <laughs> well, in, in California we have the luxury of, you know, we can grow two to three crops per mm-hmm. year on our soil. We can we can farm pretty much year round. Right. Right. Uh, Where, you know, other parts of the country or even just, you know, outside of the valley, you know, you're you're a one crop per year system. We can put a lot off of one acre in one year and that allows less acres to suffice that many animals.
0: Right. Right. Now that included silage and hay and a variety, right?
1: Yeah. Oh, for sure. Yes.
0: Winter cereals. Mm -hmm. Gotcha. Gotcha. Just yep. making uh, making sure I understand the the rotations yeah, here.
1: Yes, yeah, so you'd be a corn silage crop in the in the summertime, uh, wheat silage or wheat hay crop grown in the winter. And if guys had the right the right ground and you could get the timing down, you could grow a, a sorghum sedan crop from like end of August to Halloween, and then go into your wheat crop.
2: Oh, uh, that's your crazy. Turn,
1: your your turnaround times would be, you know, days. Right. From chop to plant, but it was doable if you could, if you have the ground good enough for it and the equipment to work the ground that fast. Uh, it was very doable.
0: And the water situation to go along with it, right? What's your water situation? Where Where's your water come from?
1: So, our water comes from the Sierra Nevadas. Mm-hmm. Snow runoff, you know, like I said uh, prior, we only get about 10 to 12 inches of rain per year where i'm at as you go north they get more and as you go south they'll get a little less so we rely on that snow pack in the sierras to melt off in this you know spring and summertime mm-hmm. to go into the dams fill them up and then that water is released control released for irrigation throughout the summer up until usually irrigation seasons april to october and we rely on that for all of our irrigation water as a dairy, you have the luxury of, um, you know, wastewater on hand and supplement with that. Um, There is pumping done with wells in our area, not as heavily um, maybe as outside of central California, but it is there and it is used, but we rely heavily on irrigation districts Hmm. to irrigate all that ground. We are a very hot climate. We pretty much get no rain from, may to october at all so it is uh, you know 90 to 100 degrees from june to september and we rely greatly on that irrigation water to feed all those crops
0: and what kind of irrigation systems
1: so a lot of those most of the irrigation systems are going to be uh gravity fed flood irrigation systems right there's some pivot scattered around but you won't i would say maybe five percent Oh, okay. Of the area has those a very very minimal just because the ground's so flat. Oh, sure. um, you get a lot everything's laser leveled to control the flood water efficiently.
2: Mm-hmm. So
1: pivots not as necessary means the flood water can be controlled like that. So,
0: so you're you're uh, farming with border checks and. Border all, checks. All yep. those humpity bumpities in the fields that I'm not used yes. to. <laughs> yes.
1: We yeah a lot of bordered stuff. Some fields bordered down to 30 feet apart to uh, some guys being 250 feet apart, just depending on the field and the amount of flow they can pull.
0: How the ground lays and how much water you can put out. Sure. Yes, sure, sure, yeah. sure.
1: Um, so yeah, so we rely on that snowpack very heavily and that's, that's why water is such an issue or a topic, I guess, where we're at is Mm -hmm. because everybody relies on it um, so greatly.
0: What's the current water situation where you're at?
1: Current water situation is not bad right now. Two years ago, three years ago, we were in a drought with almost no water to work with at all. Um, And last year we had... Record rainfall, record snowfall, so that pretty much turned the tables on our situation. And this year is looking solid and promising so far. Hmm. Uh, Reservoirs two years ago were empty almost coming out of the winter, and this year they're full going into the winter. So we are we're in good shape. It's just the water's federally controlled, and you know for the most part. And so where it gets dispersed to and how is always a battle, and that's what. Creates the issues of, you know, feeding farmland and cities at the same time and dispersing it all. Mm -hmm, So, but mm -hmm. right now we have plenty of water. It's more of an issue of where and how it gets dispersed.
0: What's the hay market look like right now?
1: So, hay market is, I would say, on the low end um, this year. Mm -hmm. Uh, Last year, with water being Extremely limited. um, Dry land crops were non existent. As a custom harvester, we had a lot of fields. We didn't even pull into them and attempt to cut them because they were just, there was nothing there. Hmm. In turn, that drove the hay market sky high because there was limited availability of pretty much everything. Right, Uh, Right. Wheat hay, which is usually, we usually have an abundance of wheat hay. There was almost none by, the middle of june because it had just been gobbled up that fast so prices skyrocketed last year and we saw some of the highest hay prices i think i've ever seen
2: mm-hmm.
1: uh last year and through through the winter and then this year or this prior year with all the rain we had and you know the the large snowpack we had leading to high water allotments for irrigating the hay prices in turn plummeted with there being an abundance of stock in all types of hay Mm -hmm. on the market um so it drove prices down pretty heavily and i'd say right now they're um they're not too strong that also coincides with the dairy markets taking a really big hit this year um they dealt with dairymen in well dairymen in general dealt with some really low prices probably like may through july and they've have rebounded some now but not to the point where yeah, it's they probably really need exciting. to
2: be. Yeah. So
1: you couple all that together and you got a ton of hay on the market and nobody with money to buy it. So to say people buying hay got very selective. And I would say if you, if you're growing good quality, clean hay, you would still make okay money on it. But anything outside of that was sold at very, very low prices <laughs> going into this year. If Things stay the way they're gonna stay, I think we're gonna see low price at lower prices still. If the dairy market turns around and the dairymen, you know, have some more capital on hand and money to spend, I think that will help. Mm-hmm. I think we're going to see some lower prices still this year at at the way they're looking now.
0: Break down your market for me. What portion is dairy? What portion is cattle? What portion is equine? What portion is
1: export? Yeah, so where I'm at, uh, Turlock, Merced, Modesto area, very heavy dairy market. We don't make any hay for export where we're at. Mm -hmm. So I would say, um, I'll say in relation to what I do in the area, you're probably fifty to sixty percent of the hay going to dairies,
0: mm-hmm. and that's focused on alfalfa.
1: The, the alfalfa straw. Yep. Um, everything. Everything's going to go to dairies, and then um, we do. I would say have a pretty good retail horse market. Uh, three three tie hundred pound bales. Probably forty percent goes to that, and then the remainder be like your cattle operations or backyard guys that kind of thing. Sure. 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 Yeah.
0: Let's take a break there and we'll get a word from our sponsor.
1: My name is Rob Flowers, live in Whitesboro, Texas. The 604R premium efficiency level is through the roof. Dependability and durability on the 604R has been outstanding. We've had zero chain issues, zero bearing issues. The camless pickup has been phenomenal and at the end of the day that gives me more time to go home and be with my family, prepare for the next day, get more done. Hear the full story at makinhay.com slash haykings.
0: We had the good chance to visit at the Western Alfalfa Forage Symposium. There we go. Got the name right. And one of the things we talked about was equipment. And that's Mm -hmm. always on the top of a hay producer's mind. Tell me about an older piece of equipment that you just love. Does something come to mind?
1: Any pre-def tracker.
0: <laughs>
1: yeah, I don't care what brand it is. As long as it's pre-def, that would be my go-to just for the sake of how well they run. Easy to work on. Yeah. The minimal issues by not having the deaf equipment, you know, Less, just less problematic tractors across the board.
0: Sure. And hay equipment in particular, is there a baler that you wish you could have back or a swather that you're just like, ah, that was, that was a good machine?
1: Um, well, I'd say the machines we have now are the ones I would want. Okay. Uh, You know, been in this business for full time eight years now and, you know, started out before then. And we've run multiple brands of big balers, we've run different brands of small balers, uh, swathers, hay rakes. I mean, pretty, we've, I've tried, you know, we've tried different brands of everything and Mm -hmm. really pleased with the crone equipment we have. The crone big baler is by far, in my opinion, the best on the market without even thinking about it. Um, they, the speed and capabilities of those machines has just been unmatched by anything else we've had or been around. Hmm. And um, as a custom harvester, time is money. And, you know, we got to get from job to job to job as quick as we can. We've done more with these machines than we ever have.
0: There's several different factors to this. The one thing that I hear you telling me is the operating speeds are important to you. Yes. That's number one on your list?
1: That's probably, well, I'd say top two.
0: Okay. Operating
1: speeds and bail weight. Okay. And we get both of those with that machine.
0: The things that we spent a lot of time on this podcast talking about, uptime reliability, mm-hmm. maintenance cost, dealer support. Can you take me? You don't need to name names here. You, yeah. you can if you want to. I'm not going to stop yeah. you. Uh, uh-huh. <laughs> you I, I don't recommend embarrassing uh, dealers on this <laughs> uh, on national podcast. Um, yeah. you, you can if you want, but take me through how you think about those things. That's more important to me.
1: Uh, at the end of the day, they're all full, it's all full circle. My dealer support for my brand in my area is not the same dealer support. For somebody in your area, yep. Not everybody's just because that product works for me. The product itself, maybe the dealer support's not the same, or yep, vice versa. Um, you know, in other areas, but the dealer support is huge. Um, part, especially post COVID, parts availability and machine availability and capability of servicing has definitely changed from all of that. And so those things are really big and just ag is every day, day to day, never stops. Um, We have busy schedules. We don't factor in time for breakdowns when we're planning our schedules as farmers or custom operators. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, uptime is gigantic and having a machine that runs less problematic is, is a huge plus. And then in turn, the speed in the field and how fast we can, Complete a job and also pull the bail weight we want. I mean, I, all those things together are huge. And um, we have a good chrome dealer in our area, and the balers have been fantastic in the field. I mean, we've we've done things with big balers that I didn't know we could do, just because of the speed
0: and the capabilities of what they can do weight wise. What what comes to mind so, there? I mean,
1: compared to we've had claws balers in the past, and they were good good machines. We've ran with Massey balers as well. And they're good machines as well. And we pulled into the field with these HD crones that we have. And one baler can do the work of two two of anything else. Wow. Um, you know, we're baling a ton and a half to the acre alfalfa at 15 miles an hour and putting 1,400-pound bales on the ground. Um, we're doing two-ton straw, and we're making... 1350 pound straw bales, which is just Whoa, crazy.
0: That'll do. Uh, that yeah. ma- That maxes out a truck,
1: 1350. Uh, oh, 1200 will max out a truck probably in California. Gotcha. So we'll go heavier and a guy will just haul a few less bales. Yep. But we can, with these machines, we, we are doing more work faster than we were with other brands and we're pulling more weight. Mm hmm. So when you couple those two things together, it's just you know it's it's pretty impressive.
0: Are you doing custom swathing wind rowing?
1: Yeah, so we do uh, we do all of our own. Hey, we swathed about twenty five thousand acres last year. Oh, um, just um, twenty five thousand
0: acres. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, uh, that's amazing. Uh,
1: yeah, on um, the swathers we ran four ninety-nine eighties last year. Uh, very good machines, um, cut extremely well, uh, handle. Large tonnage crops very well, Um, comfortable machine to run. We ran those and um, have been really happy with them, especially compared to other brands we've ran in the past. We do about a little over over half of our work is for uh, hay, setting, you know, cutting hay for baling. The other half of our work is uh, we contract in front of a custom silage company. And we do all the swathing for them in front of the choppers, and um, you know we're laying down eighteen to twenty-two ton wheat and triticale crops in front of those machines, which uh, mm-hmm. pretty pretty impressive tonnages on that green feed wet.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's wet, um, wet tons per acre. Is wet, wet tons. Yeah, there, um, there's they, not very many people that think that way, except silage harvesters. Yeah, <laughs> yep.
1: Yeah, very big crops. Um, so we do a lot of that as well in the spring. Um, we are. Uh, we just purchased a uh, big M crone 450 mm-hmm. for next year. Um, we need. We're we're continuing to grow as a company, and we're looking to grow, but grow more efficiently so to say. Mm-hmm. And I think going forward um, with all, you know, anything we do with the swathing, bailing, you know, groundwork, anything, we need to grow efficiently and try to do more with less. Mm-hmm. Um, less equipment, less employees, all those things, but still cover the amount of acres that we need to you know, cover to service the customer. Yep. we're really excited about this purchase. Uh, the acres per hour on this machine is just outstanding. It cuts extremely well. Um,
0: Have you used it yet? Because you're you're at your slow time of the year, right?
1: Yeah. So we demoed it um, October, November. So we had we had we had some late um, hay crops. We were able to cut with it. We cut some had some late silage work. We were able to do. So we got we got to run this thing in multiple conditions, different conditions, Um, and it performed very well. And I think it's going to do really well for us. It'll cover the acres per hour that two swathers will do, actually more than what two swathers will do, while burning the amount of fuel that one swather will. And I think that's you know, we were estimating a time savings of about 60% versus running two swathers. So
0: um you're talking about time it takes to cut the field or operator time
1: yes yeah no um all of it you know um well you know a job we had a job we demoed it on you know uh, alfalfa job two swathers to road to that job cut it and you know go back to the shop would be about 14 to 15 hours with two swathers
0: okay so you're 28 to 30 hours total time
1: Yes, and we did it in nine hours with road time with the big M. Oh, pretty impressive.
0: So not everywhere has uh, high minimum wage rates like hmm, Washington state where I'm at and certainly California where you're at. what what do you what's the minimum wage in California?
1: I want to say minimum wages, no, don't quote me, I might be off here, but I, I think we're in the 16 to 17 range. No. 15 50 16 i think yeah but it's going up to I mean, we are january 2nd yep. i think it's supposed to go up even closer to 17
2: mm-hmm.
1: but even if minimum wage isn't high the results we saw with this machine on the time savings i mean if you just want to you know not have to run all day and get more done it, it, it's huge or you know instead of a guy having to have two swathers on his operation or even three One machine will do those. This one machine will do the work of those. Mm -hmm. Uh, Um, you know, so we're pretty excited about it. I think it's going to help make us more profitable as a business, but also help us get more done faster, which will be fantastic.
0: Let's take a break there, and we'll get a word from our sponsor. Looking to get more from your alfalfa seed? Plant cropland. Achieve your alfalfa production goals with a well-crafted plan. New AA Series varieties from Cropland provide significant improvement in overall plant health, improving yield, quality, and persistence. Find the new AA Series variety that works for you, available in conventional Roundup Ready or reduced lignin Harvextra trait platforms. Cropland has the right fit for your need. For insights
1: and more information that will work for you, go to www.cropland.com.
0: Uh, can you take me through, now I also know the answer to this already, take me through your lineup of rakes and where you use what and how.
1: So we run, um, I have two sets of chrome rotary rakes. We run a an 880, which is a traditional center delivery, mm-hmm. and then a 740, which is a two-basket side delivery. And that rake is extremely... Probably one of my favorite pieces of machinery that we have. Very versatile. It can flip two 16-foot swather windrows at the same time Mm -hmm. individually. Um, You can lift the curtain, and you can rake about 48 feet into one pass by going... You know, down one way and up the other, and putting two passes together.
0: I'm not sure. Um, I, I like being in hay. That 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 is that light.
1: <laughs> yeah. Um, well, as a custom operator, we see everything. You know, we get into monster crops, we get into thin crops, we get into mm-hmm. average crop. You know, we you see we all. come across so many different uh, scenarios that we have to be able to. Set ourselves up efficiently so that we can still, you know, a job that maybe isn't ideal, we can still come in, set it up right for ourselves and make money on it. Sure, sure. Um, And um, so that rake, and that rake performs really well in silage. So it um, comes in handy when we do a lot of our silage work as well.
0: Sure, sure. Um, In that that case, you just want the biggest, most monstrous windrow that you can possibly put in front of the chopper. Yeah,
1: these guys are running, you know, thousand horsepower choppers. They want as much feet in front of us as they can possibly get. Yep. Um, So then that comes in handy there. And it lets us cover the ground faster. We do have a, uh, I think I have a a 38T, uh, which is just a single rotor crone rake, great for flipping windrows. You know big hay for drying down or something gets rained on and then i have a set of darfs that we use in certain situations not my favorite rake, but we have one that we use here and there and you know helps us out when we need it mm-hmm. so that's what we run the crones are very very well built very heavy used to have claws uh, rotary rakes and they ran fine did, they did good for us but the crone was just built heavier Is is holding up better as the season goes through, compared to those. So,
0: how would you describe the state of the industry right now, the hay silage industry in general?
1: It's strong, but it's very volatile. Mm -hmm. One year can be great; the next year can be rough. You got to play it for the long haul, so to say. But if you're growing good quality crops, you know, and you're making clean quality hay you'll still make money
2: mm-hmm. even in a bad year yep
1: you'll still make money um so that's got to be for the grower that has to you know as a custom harvester you know i could bail a bale of weeds or i could bail the best hay i've ever seen in my life and I, i'm making my money yep you know the same but for the grower and, this, and i see this just from the dairy hay we make and the, the horse hay we make good clean quality hay will always sell well. Even like a bad year that we had like this where prices were low. We made some really nice alfalfa hay for guys that did a good job growing it. And they still made better money than I thought they would have made this year um, because the hay was that good. And a grower who didn't put as much into his crop um, made less because of it. So that, that will always hold true going forward, I think. Mm-hmm no matter what the situation.
0: Now, eight years in, you've learned a thing or two. Do you have any yeah. advice for younger producers? Thinking back to yourself, you know, 10 or 15 or 20 years ago, would you have done anything different?
1: Would I like to do anything different? Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, we can always look back after the fact and, you know, oh, I should have done this or I should have done that. or You know, I grew up on a dairy. I'm in this now. Ag in general is just... A tough industry, and I think we all love it because it's an industry that you can fall in love with through the passion you have for your work and the passion you have for you know what it entails and the life that it gives you. But it's tough. I mean, no matter what, it's tough. Uh, every year presents its own challenges, and you get a lot of unforeseen in ag. Uh, things you just don't expect to have coming or things you don't see coming. I and mean, just, you know, kind of hit you sideways and you've got to be able to handle, handle the blows. And I would say going forward for anybody, whether you're starting out or for a guy who's been in it, you know, 30 years longer than I have, you just, you got to put your head down, push forward, work hard, be ready to take on anything. And don't ever expect it to get easy because it isn't going to. It might get easy. It might get easy for a second, and you think, "Oh, I get to take, you know, I get to catch my breath for a minute here." And it's gonna come right back at you.
0: And then, wham! Uh,
1: (laughs) Yeah, Uh, you better have iron in your blood, and you better be ready to take on everything you expected and everything you don't see coming, because it's it's a tough battle Mm -hmm. day in and day out, and year in and year out. Um, And when you do well, and things are good, be smart. And be smart with it. Don't don't get uh, you know frivolous, and that'll pay off. And when it gets to tough and tight, you just you buckle down and you just keep pushing forward.
0: That sounds like great advice. Oh, thank you. I want to say thank you for joining us today. I've enjoyed hearing about your uh, you have a pretty unique situation there in California. Yeah, we you, do. You harvest uh, just about every month of the year. Yes. And yeah. you, you see lots and lots of acres. Yeah. And uh, that's uh, I, I've really appreciated hearing your thoughts today, so thank you.
1: Thank you. Thank you for having me.
0: Thank you to Vermeer for making all of this possible. Special thank you to Nick Palmieri at Palmieri Sound for doing my audio editing, Jessica Palmeri for coordinating uh, the marketing efforts. Go to the Hey Kings website, that's hey-kings.com, and check out some new merchandise we have up. If you're running small balers and need a stroke counter, moisture meter set up, we have that now. And if you're looking for work and uh, you're ready for a new set of hay hooks, we're carrying those on the Hay Kings website now, too. So go check it out, and thanks for listening.